Welcome back to the New Age Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White, <laughs> and with me as always, we've got a full house today, uh, Martin Theobald, and El Terrible, he's back, Terry Chapandama. So you may have realised Andy White's voice has changed this week, um, through all the feedback we got last week of Andy having an opinion, having, uh, you know, he's now... No, we didn't get any feedback. No. Um, <laughs> we're freeing up the voices of the casuals. We've realised, you know, people want to hear what the casual has to say. So we're calling today's session just casual rage. No, no, no that's not why we're doing it. It's because mine has been <laughs> at a concert all weekend and hasn't seen any fights. I have. So the best thing we've got, instead of two experts, is an expert and a casual. And that's better than... The god of the casuals. <laughs> the casual. The god of the soft rock scene. Yeah, exactly, whatever. <laughs> yeah, so that's why we're doing it. And uh, yeah, why not? So you're not hosting. Sorry, yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. So you your peace. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got me on hosting duties because I've been away at a Guns N' Roses concert and then being the... Like absolute uber tourist for the day down in London, so I've not caught anything at all. Um, on, the, on the tour bus with uh, Paul Smith. <laughs> on the tour bus, <laughs> me and Paul Smith were doing our celebratory tour, but he forgot to turn up. <laughs> Just like last night, by the sounds of it. Mm. But um, yeah, what you boys been doing? Fill me in. Uh, I was on the piss in Nottingham. Um, <laughs> there's not much more to say apart from that. Just making an absolute. Dirtbag of myself as usual. Yeah, I didn't do any pre. With the bar for the women, you know, I actually left on your. Yeah. <laughs> I let I let myself down. Actually, I didn't. I didn't fulfil my Tinder duties this weekend. Really, I didn't hold the flag, Terry. No, 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 no recon. <laughs> I really wasn't. You went in with no cover fire. I went. I went in without. That's looping, how you get without lubing up notice. the situation. No on the ground intel. Absolutely yeah. nothing. He <laughs> 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 just went there with your dick in your hands, praying. Yeah. And it. It almost worked, and it would have worked if it hadn't been for those frigid <laughs> rape <women>. laws. <laughs> Terry, any action? I was in church all weekend. All weekend? Yeah, all weekend. Good. Yeah, Good. behaved myself. Mm-hmm. Really did. <laughs> Had to. You know, I, I know who listens. I, I love the fact that I love the fact that as soon as he goes, oh no, no, we can't talk about that on the podcast, like some like <laughs> sad little tragedy, and ev- and then we have to go. All right then, Terry. But as soon as anything remotely sordid happens in my life, I mean, I it stick gets up automatically the, broadcast. I, I, I stick up for you all the time. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Stick up for you all I the must time. have forgotten those times. But conveniently, <laughs> okay. So right, let's get out of the bushes, you two, uh, Terry in particular, based on the weekend. Um, <laughs> let's get onto the boxing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woo. We've got Cheetos as well. Cheetos are back. I was in a Turkish shop in Ilford. Saw these at about midnight last night. Genius. Were they a pound a bag though? Because normally, if you have to pay more than a quid for the bag, I, I don't know. To be honest, I just needed something to drink. <laughs> Did you just throw all the coins at him? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I was paying in Turkish lira anyway. I'm like, oh, whatever. Um, so where are we going to start? Let's start with 
Our can, favorite... I just start, can I just start with something quickly? Um, I want to get this out of the way early. If the rumours are true that I'm hearing that John Pilatus just won gold at the Harringay Box Cup. Ha ah, ah, Thank you, God. Um, so that would have been four years in a row that I've you know, come away with some form of gold medal in the super heavyweight category. Thank you, ladies nice. and gentlemen. The most athletic heavyweight. Yes, well remembered. Um, so, Frank Warren, Richard Schaefer, get the checkbooks ready, man. Like, we gave you what you wanted. We'll come on to that later, the Harringay, because I haven't really, again, caught up with any of cool. Um So, there's only one place to start, which is your favourite fight and my favourite fight the listener's favourite fighter, Paul Smith Jr. I'm, I'm reminded of, of the Batman film at this point. Just, you know, when Heath Ledger... Paul Smith Jr. It, it couldn't have gone any better. All week, Sky Sports are like, you want to get behind him. This is this is the best chance he's had. He deserved that shot. Gilberto Mendoza told me he deserved it. Ah, we'll, we'll touch we on will. that. We will, we will. Wow. To get beaten, essentially, was it 118-108 on all three scorecards? I can't remember the scorecards, but... Yeah, that is it, yeah. But, but, but to get put on your ass as well was just the... And I don't care, someone will say it's a slip. Was that right at the end? Yeah. Yeah. He got put you know, on his ass. You could argue it was a slip, but it was more the fact of just like... It was, it fallen into, is it his name Zuga? Zoiga, yeah. Zoiga. Zeus. It's fallen into him and then practically fell on the floor. From now on, from now on, exhaustion. Sir Zoiga. <laughs> like, let's be clear about this. The man deserves knighted if that yeah. finishes off Paul Smith at world level. I I was quite impressed with how, like, good Paul Smith made Zoiga look. Because I looked at Zoiga, I thought, I didn't think, uh, he might, you two might judge it differently, but. He looked a boxer of limited ability. He didn't make me go, wow. <laughs> and Paul Smith did his best, with his head, he did his best impression of a speed bag. <laughs> it was just like, he'd walk forward and then take two shots and swing and miss with another shot. And it was like, wow. And then come forward again. It's like, you're just not doing anything. And, and the annoying thing is, Sky have, they always have his mates on there. And so you're in round 10 and he's clearly lost this. Yeah. And they're like, Paul Smith needs a knockout. And I'm like, what was his last knockout? What, what was the last Paul Smith knockout? And you're saying he needs a knockout. Oh, I, know, I, know, I know Paul Smith really well and I know Fuck off. Like, why not just sit there? And the thing is, I'll give Carl Froch his due. Froch is probably the only commentator who would have said he doesn't belong at this level. And Froch would have said it. And Froch would have jumped in the ring and shown him why he doesn't belong. And yeah, you got Jamie Moore towing the company line. I guess he's probably scratching around for a few quid, isn't he? So it's just, it was sad. It was sad to hear the commentary. It was great to see Paul Smith. How bad was it? Like, are we talking? An Zoiga's crap. Because let's no, be clear, I'm not going right. to go back and watch this. I have no incentive well, to do don't, that. Don't, so, don't. so, so fill well, me first in. First of all, I, it, I, <laughs> the best thing. <laughs> They were, and they were writing the scorecards up, right? They were talking like, oh, up to about the fourth round, they were uh, talking about, by, on the, in the third round, right, it had gone Zoiga, Zoiga, and then, this is good, Smith biding his time, wearing Zoiga down. Really? <laughs> what was he wearing him down with? He's giving him two rounds. Like, like he's not going to get carried away. This is when his experience, he's got lots of experience of going 12 rounds. 
I thought, right, okay. Didn't Jamie Moore say something like, yeah, 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 he's not, he's not going to commit too much, you know, he's going to wait till the second half of the fight, bring her into the championship rounds or something dumb like that. Uh, Smith, conservative, considering the situation, Zoiger is being made to, to look better. <laughs> I, I, I just thought... So at this point, if you're making your opponent look better and you're biding your time, that, that to me, they, they're looking at the fourth round, but the... I generously gave Smith the third round, right? And that was generous. Every other round I gave to Zoiger. That I just I just couldn't give any... And, and what I love about Zoiger is... <clears throat> Zoiger looked in sparring mode. He just looked like he was sparring. Yeah, I'm just wondering, I'm just going to control yeah. everything with the jab. Yeah. When he gets a bit hairy, I'm going to step back, get back on my jab. It was literally like he was under no pressure. And... And all those people, like, like you, you notice how Eddie Hearn hasn't been out to, to, to justify this challenge. <laughs> because he must be looking at Paul Smith going, mate, you're shit. And I hope Eddie Hearn looks him in the eye and goes, I know we look a bit like each other, but right now, mate, I might be the better boxer of us two. Do you know, it almost, it was almost a poor impression. It was almost like the two of them had sat behind Art before and gone, right, what we're going to do is we're going to pretend this is the... The Crollo versus Linares fight. Right, who's going to be Linares? And Zoig was the first one to go, me! <laughs> and uh, Paul Smith Jr. went, all right then. So I've just got to walk forward like this, have I? <laughs> Hands, Hands up against up. my face. And then occasionally let you tag me through the middle was it, of my Was car. it standard Joe Gallagher? No, 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 do you know what he reminded me of? Because <clears throat> I'm not even going to disrespect Joe Gallagher by saying he told Paul Smith to do that. He was like one of those robo-vacs. <laughs> where he just kept moving until something until I mean until the sensor said shit go back because he just honestly he'd come forward with his hands up and he wasn't really fainting he was just kind of putting his hands up, like he was wiping sweat off his forehead and then he'd step forward and, and he'd open up to go I need to do something get hit with a jab and go nope maybe I don't <laughs> just retreat and then it's almost as if Joe Gallagher would say no no go back and do that again and he'd do the same thing again open up <laughs> Uh, I, I keep getting punched. <laughs> just keep moving forward. Uh, do you know what? Like, there's a part of me that actually wants to go and watch it now, just to see Paul Smith get punched around for twelve yeah, and rounds. The, and the, pro- the worst thing about it was because of his, his the way that his <clears throat> like soppy hair was just hanging off of his head. Every time he got hit, the hair would flick up as though really to <laughs> exaggerate the hit altogether. And the hair was like, I, I don't know this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to join <laughs> Stephen in round one, in row one. I'm a toupee. <laughs> Although the, the best tweet of the evening for me that I saw, and I say Ben, I've not seen it. Anthony Fowler, you're saying about like people sticking to the corporate line and shit. Like this is even worse because it's corporate line plus Liverpool, um, you know, sticking together. Uh, they probably all go to the same fucking saunas, don't they? And rub fucking essential oils in each other's ass cracks. <laughs> is that where you rub essential oils? Well, totally Dep- you do. depends on what you do in the sauna, I yeah. guess. Anthony Fowler. Gutted for Paul Smith Jr. People will slag him off. Yes! <laughs> no, no, wait, it gets worse. But he showed he's world class. Always gives a good account of himself at world level. What? Did, did, did someone remind him what the scorecard said? So, this, was, this was for a regular title, though, yeah. wasn't it? So always, well, that wasn't even world level. <laughs> always gives a, count, a good account of himself at world level. But that second half for Abraham, like the first one was a fluke. Make no mistake about it. It was a fluke that it was even relatively close. You know, I, I, I'm going to put it down to, I think, honestly, hand on heart, Paul Smith must have just seen Abraham in the crowd just shat himself. And when this guy might just jump in again. And it just was like, 
Let me just open up and see if there's a. Oh fucking hell! It was that was that was that was his whole night. Oh, fucking hell! It was tragic because when it got to the sixth, and you've seen it before, you've seen the fights before, like strip away all the problems with Blackwell after the fight. During that fight, he got to the sixth, seventh round. He lost every single round, and you think, where's he going to go from here? Smith had shown absolutely no ability to make Zoy look anything other than massively comfortable. And you just you just thought, how are you going to... You, your chances of knocking him out right now are the same chances as me sitting here watching that. I have not shown <laughs> any ability to be able to do that. And neither have you. And you're knackered. So I've got a better chance. <laughs> at least you could go in and have one three minute. <laughs> yeah, at least I have a go. Yeah. I mean, like Terry said. Although to be fair, his chance of pulling a bird in Nottingham seemed about as. If yeah. we'd swapped, we might have been more successful. It'd have been each other's mutually. Boots. Yeah. yeah, it would have been beneficial. <laughs> right. Question from Sam Khan at Blessed with Work. Question for the pod. Now that Smith Junior has lost, which burger joint would suit him best for his next career? We've got some lovely photos she's put together of Paul Smith advertising burgers. What are we going with? Um, For myself, Londoners, it's got to be Morley's. Like, Morley's do the M burger, which is like £1.09, and it's like a Big Mac knockoff for £1.09. Now nah, you're missing out. It's block Donald's. Like McDonald's, but you have to block everyone before you can go in there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the really sad thing is, there are probably people... We can't even tweet him shit yeah. about it. <laughs> so, so he's just there like... Why is no one talking about my fight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind trying to say wimpy just because their burgers are shit. Wimpy's but they the still perfect pre- one. They still pretend to be a burger joint. <laughs> <laughs> right, question from Verbal Warning. Was Paul Smith's back hair a factor in the fight? <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty hideous, to be fair. He almost looked like a Turkish truck driver turning up to have a fight from the back. Um... <laughs> Let's not dwell on it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty horrible. Let's have a Cheetos break. Cheetos, the finest podcast crisp in podcast land. The finest set, yes, indeed. Available um, from uh, late night shops in Ilford. Has hubris overtaken our podcast, do you think? We used to. There used to be some sort of adherence to quality and no, 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 no. freely eat crisps. On. <laughs> mm. These are all right. We tried out the Hungarian version before. I like that it's not overly cheesy. These are straight in from Istanbul. Yeah, and they're not, they're not overly cheesy. I think they're Polish. They're, they're, there's, a, there's a taste that kind of talks to you. They're not Polish, fuck off. I want them from a turkey shop. <laughs> they were selling fucking olives from... I don't know, I can't remember. Istanbul probably. <laughs> Sounds pretty probably on to me. Where we at? Right, right. This is why I don't host it. <laughs> Did I'm you a, get distracted by Cheetos? I'm terrible. No, I'm, go on. <laughs> Alright, um. Let's get out of shit fest in Germany. Let's go over and look at Kovalev Ward. Yes. Let's start there. Yes. Kovalev Ward. So, Andy, I know you've got some, uh. Some incredible views on this that Terry backed up earlier. Casual rage. Part <laughs> one. Well, all I said was. Perhaps next time they should just get a mini noose and tie it around Kovalev's balls and give the other end to Ward so that at any time he can just give him a good yank and pull him, drop him down to his knees. So that makes it easy and they don't have to get bent refs in or, or blind refs or stupid refs. Or Can you just clarify for me, 
at what point on a boxer <clears throat> is do I you, am, is okay right is the line? I found earlier on a brilliant tweet from Boxbet that shows the start of the fight. The referee, because I know what you're talking about here. So the fight gets ended when Andre Ward is punching on the waistband, essentially. Yeah, but that that wasn't the worst one. The worst one that was the other two halfway through the fight. Where, but if you go back and look at the fight, because I've only seen the punches that ended. The referee is showing on this clip where punches are allowed, which is allowed around the waistband of Kovalev, which is where most of these low punches seem to land. So, see, I, I thought... No, no, so the rules are absolutely clear, right? You're not supposed to hit an opponent below the belly button. The belly button's the imaginary line. Anything below the belly button is a low blow because you can get to some quite sensitive areas and you don't want repeated trauma down there. You can easily miss... Yeah, at that point. So, some boxers wear the high body protector. So, you know, they only reveal half of their abdomen. So, the ref will actually say, well, I can't have the line being up there. That's ridiculous. So, the ref will make an estimate and he'll make it fair. Which is why you saw Tony Weeks put both hands in the same place. Now, if you watch closely... The meaningful part of Ward's fist touches the waistband. And I know people say... Oh, but look, look, the meaningful part, which is the first two knuckles, always touch the waistband. The other two, well, the other the other two knuckles are incidental. It's those two that do all the damage. So I can understand why Tony Weeks would let that go. He should have really pulled Kovalev up for bending at the waist that low, which is a foul as well. At the yeah. end? Yeah, so at the end well, of round eight. fight anyway, didn't he? Yeah. So, so you, I mean, that's a foul. And, and and at that point there, it was up to Kovalev to hold. So the question from Andy Johnson that came in, Andy J247, borderline punches or foul shots by Ward last night? I think borderline from watching it on TV. Uh, borderline. There, there was one that was clumsy, and the ref quite rightly admonished him for that one. And I, I, I'm happy with that. But in terms of the controversy, I don't think there is controversy it's not like Kovalev was in a comfortable lead and he was dominating. The guy was looking for a way out. But I think from, from what I've read, and again, I'm only basing this on other people's views on it, really, is that the Kovalev uh, attacks to the body, or sorry, the ward attacks to the body on Kovalev, had just taken their damage. Oh, no, no, no. Are we really, no, no. If we really have to break the fight down. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, two secs. So, like, when Kovalev is then getting hit to the body, he's like crumpled over and so Ward's still trying to hit the body but at that point you haven't really got much of a target you know the head's kind of bowed down and so you're just throwing punches in there if that hits your bollocks at that I'll point tell you what, it was malice and you know how I know it was malice because if you watch it Ward's looking at his head going I could take him out with a headshot I'm not going to I want to really punish this fucker Ward that, that's the most malicious ending I've ever seen because if you look where Kovalev's hands are he couldn't protect his head so, so Andy Johnson here before we go and break it down too far, let's ask his question. How did Ward adjust his tactics from the first fight? I thought his footwork looked faster and he was far more agile. Come on, Entail. Let's go back to the podcast we said after the first Kovalev fight, where I was adamant the second fight would be a lot easier for Ward. It would be a walk in the park. I think I might have said walk in the park, not sure. I thought the second fight would be easy. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had stopped Kovalev. And I'll tell you why. In the first fight, Ward was quite static. If you notice, know, this is the one time I did this. I ran the first fight in parallel with the second fight. 
So when when the first round went on this one, I just ran them all in parallel. I ran them in parallel so I could just switch between the two to see what was actually different. Ward's foot speed was in, was incredible this time. So if you look at the first fight, especially when when Ward got knocked down in the second round, he was plodding. He was just walking around. He genuinely believed he could old man Kovalev. And Kovalev showed that he's a better boxer than Ward had given him credit for. In the second fight, Ward didn't let Kovalev plant his feet, so the right hand couldn't go. But Ward did something which was really clever this time. He pulled his head off the centre line, so he kept pulling his head to the right. And what that meant was Kovalev couldn't throw that jab he throws after pumping the right shoulder in. If you go back through those eight rounds, count how many times Kovalev would pump that shoulder in, looking for the straight left to come back, and Ward would see that. As soon as the right shoulder went in, Ward would just pull his head to the right, and Kovalev would just have to reset because he's like, shit, it's not working. So once he took that move away, what it meant was Kovalev couldn't throw the one-two that he loves to throw because Ward wasn't there for it. And clearly, John David Jackson has said to Kovalev, let's just do what we did before. And unfortunately, Ward wasn't the same static target. John David so. Jackson would give a fuck anyway. Well, He's trying to get a job in Rodney Ward's team of the year. <laughs> That's scummy, that. So, scummy. So, so the first two rounds were fascinating because they set the tone for the rest of the fight. The first two rounds were Ward basically saying to Kovalev, I'm not going to let you plant your feet. Andy, what's your view up to round two? Well, I had Kovalev winning the first two rounds. So I wouldn't, I'd like to... And, well, and, well and, based on what? In the, in, the, in the first round... The meaningful punch was Ward's left hook. So well, I, I thought it was all jab from Kovalev. It kept tagging Ward. And Ward, well, to no, me, no, no, didn't wait, even wait, look no, at the no, races no, until no, about no, the third he round. He wasn't tagging him. Like, he there's, was. There's a, there's a difference between... See, this is, this is why casual... He was landing, no, no, right? No, no, he was no, no, landing. No, no, yeah, but they don't mean anything. Like, those, look, those Apart are, from score, scoring no, no, shots. No, no, that's bullshit. You see, this is, this, <laughs> this is when I get irritated. Like, you're scoring things that don't make any sense. You've got Ward banging Kovalev, moving him physically with punches. And you've got Kovalev tapping, shoe-shining, essentially, with that jab. It's a good jab, but he's shoe-shining. And when you shoe-shine like that, you know, the judges will look at that, but, but you've got to look at all the other things. Look at how Ward's controlling the ring. Kovalev can't plant his feet. Um, Kovalev is looking around and he's going, what the hell's going on here? Ward, at no point, looked out of his depth. In those first two rounds, Kovalev didn't know what he was doing. He didn't know what, he, he didn't know what was working. Ward already knew. And so you have to give those two rounds. In fact, I find it hard so, to give Kovalev a round because... In the whole fight? Well, because all he was trying to do was nick rounds and Ward wasn't letting him this time. You okay, know, well, when, when Ward wanted to push Kovalev back, he pushed him back. When Ward wanted to go back, he went back. He was catching Kovalev coming in. <clears throat> it, was, it, was, it was a display of such control. You wonder why this wasn't done in the first place. I've fight. seen varying opinions because I've seen people online saying that Kovalev had... You know, a mix of it up until the start. Well, I, the, my, my honest assessment of it was, and, and I've never, I've never professed <laughs> to be, I've never professed to be a boxing expert. Kovalev, when he came yourself, out, mate. he was fresh and he was, he was taking the fight to Ward and Ward just looked no, slow no, no, and no, sluggish. No, wait, wait, wait. What do you mean taking the fight to Ward? Like, Ward was... Yeah, you're right. Ward's movement was good and he was walking and yeah. ducking and diving or whatever. Well, but no, Kovalev... no, 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 don't dismiss that because that's a skill in itself. Well, and, and I'm that's, not... no, no, and that's, what I'm saying to you and is... that's part of the scoring matrix. But... You get points for that. Okay, fine. But then that also depends, does it not, on what you want to see as it's a judge. Because like. no, no, Kovalev, no, 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 no. Kovalev was dominating the, no. sa- the centre of the ring. He was making, Ko- making Ward 
dance around the ring, fine if you give scores for that. But Kovalev was landing the most meaningful punches, no, certainly no, in my well, book. Well, not in the first round, he wasn't. Well, for and me, not was. in the second round. Which and punches did he land that were, were meaningful? It was all, yes, it was all jab, and I couldn't okay. figure out why and, and, he couldn't and, land. And, and that left hook that twisted Kovalev's head, right? That, that had no meaning to you? I'm not saying it. he died every single meaningful punch, but it was like he landed did the he most. Why didn't he throw all... a left hook? Why was he incapable of throwing one left hook in those first two rounds? Well, maybe it was Ward's movement, but that no, doesn't, no, no, that doesn't no, no, negate the, the shots that he, pit, that he no, hit on Ward. And why did Kovalev keep his hands down when Ward kept taking right, the left hook? You're, are, you, are you not going to take points away from that because you're a professional boxer? Why are you getting hit because your hands are down? But it's all well, dependent. This, all no, depends, no, 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 this is all dependent on what you want as a judge, no, right? No, 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 no. Judges are told to score by defined criteria. It can't just be mate. You go in and do what you want, because otherwise, what's the point in having judges? But then you would always end up with different uh, views. Well, different... You, you will, but how can I put it? Imagine this. <laughs> but as long as it's Terry's, no. Terry's right about it, then <laughs> no. that's okay. No. Oh, don't don't sulk. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> sulking. Every point that I come up with, though, Cash. you come up with a counterpoint, and as soon as I make a point, you go. Well, that's what a casual would think. Yeah, but actually, Terry, I've got this list of rules in front of me. Yeah, no. they're casual rules. You no, don't no, see them in the real no. world, mate. <laughs> Not when you go down to my boxing gym. I've got Terry's rule book here, mate. Oh, and the only rule book that matters is <laughs> my rule. Can you hear this? Can you, I hope you guys are hearing this, right? This is why Andy has to host. He's a fucking loose cannon. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, you but can't no, make no, an no, argument. No, like, no, no, no. There's reasons why you go on judging courses. You go on a course to learn how to be a judge, right? Right. And in that judging course, it is the elements. It is <clears throat> it is how do you attack? How do you defend? How do you control what's going on in the ring? It's it's all those intangibles. Because think about it, like I've said this before, if you were to measure a fight on who throws punches, you're really only looking at a small sliver of the time. How how many add up every punch, right? You run them all in sequence. And that's probably, what, two minutes of action? Right. You measure every punch. So what, what, how are you going to account for the other 20-odd well, minutes? That's fine, okay. So, so, no, you've so got... what happens to those other 20-odd minutes? Right, okay, fine. I know what you're, you're saying. There's those. other things, are you right? Those? So if you've got two boxers in a ring, yeah, right? Boxer A, all he does is keep throwing punches and landing, right? 50% of them. Mm-hmm. The other boxer is moving, ducking and diving, weaving around the ring. Yeah. Boxer A, who's throwing the, and landing the punches, is controlling the centre of the ring and the other boxer's walking around. Mm-hmm. But Boxer B, who keeps getting occasionally hit, but doesn't land a punch, how do you score the end of that, end of that, end of that no, round? No. So what you, is no, the defining factor? The defining factor is this. Who do you think had the better of that round? So Based, it, better, stop, stop, stop. Right. Based on those elements of ring control, attack, defence, impact. Don't forget impact as well. Who has the better of it? Because How do you define you know, impact? If, if you're asking me... How I, how I would judge it. It's right. I'm looking at who's executing on what they normally execute. Who's at their normal level? And then with every round, I'm like, War's making Kovalev slow down here. He's making him doubt himself. Kovalev's not working well, like, not... Like, like, like he'd want to work. So you're not judging the fight on its merits. No, you're no, taking into no, no, account no, no, historical is... evidence no, of what no, you know what the boxer no, does. That is the fight on its merits. I'm like, well, hold on. Why isn't Kovalev the boxer puncher that he is, being the boxer puncher. It must be because of what's happening in the ring. Well, so you're taking into account no. Kovalev's history well, no, in no, order no, to no, judge his no, fight no, now? No, I'm taking into account what Kovalev actually is, a boxer puncher. But how do you know that? If you're, you know if that? you're talking... Because I'm watching the fight. Well, if, that's how it works, Andy. No, if you're, yeah. watching, if you're watching the fight now and, I, and you judge the fight that I described, yeah. right... 
That's why I use. That's why I specifically use Boxer A and Boxer B, and not Warden Cove. Okay, so Boxer A, Boxer right. B. And but I'm you don't. Work. You've never seen these two fight ever before. Yeah. Right. So well, then, why, how can't do I, why can't I figure out? A, I can how, figure out a style from watching. How do you know he's not boxing faster than he wants to? Well, I can tell. Look, round one, you do this. Round two. Why is your mouth hanging out? Why have you slowed your punch output down? While this guy's increased his effective so movement. So how the then? Ring? How then do you vote the first? Uh, do, uh, do you score the first round? Is it based on the third round's findings? Nope. I only asked you to about up to round two. <laughs> Fuck and me. We're still, we're still on round two. Look, <laughs> I it just it. No. What Terry seems to outline for me is too much. And I suppose it's the same for any any uh, sport that has an element of judging in it. There's too much grey for it to be no, succinct. No, no, there isn't. And I'll tell you why there isn't. Like, I've got a friend who's a bodybuilding judge, right? You show me a picture of Ronnie Coleman and show me a picture of Jay Cutler. I couldn't tell you who's better. But he'll look at he'll look at it and go, he's flat. Look, look at that. Separation's poor. He'll see things I couldn't possibly see. Why? Because he's been doing it for so long. He's looking for... You're looking for things at the surface because you're enjoying the fight, whatever. Fine. You know, you've paid your money, you're watching the fight. The judge has to look at things based on experience. This is why they get guys like Dave Moretti to do the judging. Because, like, mate, you've been in these big fights before, you know what to look for. And you're looking for that stuff beneath the surface. What's really driving the direction of this fight? It wasn't Kovalev's jab. Watch the fight back again. It's not Kovalev's jab that drives this fight. It's Ward's movement. And it's, his in, it's Kovalev's inability to plant his feet like he did in the first fight and let go of that one-two. Do we, and, no. and, and, and over time, what you saw mentally was Kovalev start to doubt everything he had done in camp and it unraveled. Do you remember the point where he just dropped his hands and tried to be Carl Froch? Just, just started throwing hands and, she, and you're like, mate, you've lost it. And then he started to turn away from Ward. He turned away in the seventh, I think. Then he turned away in the eighth. Then he folded over in the eighth. And Ward looked at him like, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah, and, and, that, and point, the referee didn't yeah. stop a fight. And at that point, I was like, this fight's done. And, and so when you're talking about judging, all of the hard work Ward was doing in those rounds that you weren't giving him credit for led to what happened in that eighth round. No, no, the fact is we didn't need the judges by the end. The judges were irrelevant. Well, but, but we, do, we do because there's a wider discussion. Well, I want to know, we, what, did we know what the scorecard was at the end? Uh, 67, 66 twice to Ward. It may be 60, was it 67, 68, 66 as well? The, the, struggle I, sure. the, the thing I struggle with is how Kovalev, because the point I was building towards was how Kovalev won anything after round four because he fell apart. He yeah. just, he didn't have any energy. He didn't have any movement. He just kept walking forward. He'd run out of ideas completely. So, and that's when Andre Ward so, started yeah. to show the class that he clearly had. So can you see why I was giving Ward the early rounds? No. Because by the well, time you get to the fourth round, this guy's falling apart. But then how did Kovalev win any rounds? I don't think he did. But the judges do. Which is fine. I accept that. But I don't think he did because, and I was watching this fight going, this is all money in the bank. I can, I, I can say, right. But that leads me to the point. It's, there is definitely an element of subjectivity that even if you apply yes. judging rules to it, yes. there are always going to be wiggle rooms within that. Yes, but, but, but you counteract that by saying, who are the judges we know are good at this? And over time, what happens is you find out who can do it. It's like anything, right? When it comes to interpretation, there are people you trust. It's like big games in the premiership. 
they pick certain refs because you know that ref's going to keep control. It's not an objective thing you use. It's just like, this guy's been good up until this point. We can trust him. But it's also worth noting there were three American judges for it last night. But they brought some East Coast judges, which I found interesting. So they brought some judges over from Kathy Duva's insistent that you get some East Coast judges who they figured would favour the more industrious style of Kovalev. But if she was that insistent, she'd have got some Russian judges. Well, there's only so far you can go because, remember, you've got to deal with the Nevada State Athletic Commission and they're not friendly to foreign judges. <laughs> so I think that was the challenge. But no, no, look, when it comes to judging, I think you've heard me say this on Twitter, I'm not a judge. It's why I try not to give scorecards or anything because I understand there are guys who have been doing it for 30-odd years and they've had 30 years worth of fucking up to the point where they know what they're looking for and they can articulate it a lot better than I can. But then those judges agreed with Andy's view. <laughs> no, no. No, no. Based on the scorecards. No. no. <laughs> on the basis that I quite specifically was trying to find my point and get getting roughshod. That's right. <laughs> ridden roughshod over by Terry. Like The fact remains, for me, Kovalev, as I saw it, Terry, all right? <laughs> as I saw it, Kovalev came out and he thought... What he was going to do was, in my mind, it looked like he wanted to overpower Ward. He wanted to like jab him, wear him down, and then maybe he was lining him up for some sort of finishing. I don't know, but he was. But Ward was moving about, and look, I don't know. But what made me think was the first shot. That he um, that he stuck on Kovalev to me looked low, and and that was the one that he separated him from. The second one to me, where Kovalev stops, the referee says, "What are you doing?" And Andre Ward just stands there, going, "What the fuck's going on?" And Kovalev's falling apart, and the referee says, "Get on with it. You, there's nothing wrong with that." Whether it was low or whether it wasn't, that to me was the the moment that Kovalev's mind broke because, like. Terry suggested he was looking for a way out. He wanted a disqualification or he wanted a point deduction. He wanted something to give him something because everything he was trying was just getting thrown back in his face. So he almost wanted Andre Ward to go to hurt or to bleed or to get a a point taken off him. Some sort of encouragement because anything else wasn't working. And then Ward just took advantage of all of that spirit crushing and just took him apart. Alright, cool. Question from Verbal Warning. Um, looked to me like Kovalev didn't want any of it. Pointless for a th- third fight for them. He broke. And he didn't break in that way where you're like, oh, let these guys fight again. He broke in a way that said, I will never be the same man again. Like, it was... And I know we've just gone back and forth about the scoring. But from round one, if you notice, Ward... Ward had two messages for Kovalev and he, he, he exemplified both of them in the first two rounds. He said, number one, I'm going to beat you on the outside. So you want to have a jabbing exchange? I'm going to beat you at that too. So how many times did he, did he deal with the jab and counter with the hook? Which is insulting to a professional boxer. That's basically saying, you know what? I'm going to Roy Jones you, which was good. And then he also said, on these inside clinches, I'm going to bring the intensity. Because go back to the first fight. Remember when Kovalev could wrestle Ward? And the commentators were talking about Kovalev's trained in Sambo. He's prepared for this. He's... Look at how vicious Ward was in those close quarter exchanges. The shoulders came up. The forearms came out. He was just moving Kovalev around. And it was... I, 
I think we, we can we can talk a lot about the technical side of things. I think the guys will get boring. What you saw in Andre Ward, and without wishing to blow my own trumpet, this is something he said in a quiet moment when we spoke. And he said, don't doubt my mind. I've been in these tough situations so many times. What Kovalev has isn't anything I haven't seen before. How will he cope when I get better in the next fight? Which is an interesting question because if you look at Ward, he looked bigger this time. I don't know if anyone noticed that in the ring. He looked bigger. He looked stronger. So if you had a third fight, I, I think Ward is still growing into 175. That's the problem. What's the point? What is the What would be the point of a third fight? Th- th- there isn't. Unless Kovalev were to earn it. So let's say he, he obliterated Baturbia. Before you do it, Bivol. I want to throw some names at you because I've got a load of questions about Badu Jack, right? Uh, sorry, Badu Jack. Andre Ward, which I'll come on to in a minute. I wanted to throw some names about... Because you just said Kovalev crushed, etc. I'll throw some names at you. Yes or no. Could Kovalev beat them in his next fight? Alright. Baturbiev. Which Kovalev? The Kovalev I saw yesterday or the Kovalev we're hoping comes back? The Kovalev at the final bell of last night and then whatever turns I, 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 up I, I, for I, I, the I next don't, fight. I don't think he beats Andy. <laughs> I think he's still crying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that Kovalev yesterday beats Andy. So the, even what, more worryingly, I don't think he beats Paul Smith Jr. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, whatever Kovalev is going to come back because that's going to take on something from him. So, Baturbiev? Uh, Baturbiev's young and hungry. I don't know if Kovalev wants that sort of war. Jack? Maybe. I, I think I think I'd Jack's like undersized. Kovalev, Jack, I think Jack's undersized, but he's there to be hit. But he's a tough man. I'd like to see Kovalev versus Jack. Not Kovalev, Ward versus Jack, actually. Stevenson? Against Kovalev? He might get starched. He, right. he looks susceptible to those left hands. Andy? Uh, I just have a question about Badu Jack. No, no, you're not on hosting. <laughs> <laughs> um, Badu Jack... Would it be advisable for his first fight at light heavyweight to be against Andre Ward? Would that be would that be taking a massive risk for him? Only in terms of ability, but size wise, no. Ward's still quite a small one seven five. So if you look at someone like Kovalev or Stevenson, Stevenson will walk around at fifteen and a half stone. That's how Stevenson walks around. It's how Kovalev walks around as well. They're big, big men who boil down through their camps down to one seven five. Ward's the guy that probably walks around. Top end of 14, of 13, bottom end of 14. That's what he walks around at. So he doesn't stress too much to make the weight. So Jack's probably the same size. Um, give him six months to fill out, get a bit more density into his body. They're about the same size. Those guys can have a good fight. So when you when you move up, you don't really have to learn. It's, it's not, a, I clearly, I know it's boxing, but you don't have to learn much at a different weight. It's, it's more or less the same, is it? You just have to get used to heavier punches in the same size gloves. So there's a psychological element of, actually, do you know what? These punches feel okay. I could do the distance at this weight. Because you're dealing with heavier guys, heavier punches over the same period of time. So it's just, physically, can you cope with that? And I, I don't think Jack's one to let himself Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to a Bajak, a Buddy Jack fight. And I'd, frankly, I'd, I'd, I'd watch in fight any of those but on the back of it from last night one of the few things I did see was that uh, Andre Ward and Virgil Hunter were talking about moves up to him not even necessarily to cruiserweight but to skip that and fight Anthony Joshua because <laughs> they've seen Tony Bell you did it like <laughs> fucking hell that cunt can do it look at no. him falling over in the ring <laughs> I'd suspect that's what heavyweights do they just fall over <laughs> we'll be fine the state of him <laughs> 
was um, mind control. He ripped in half David Hayes' Achilles. I, I suspect they saw the check that Tony Bellew took home after yeah. the David Hay fight. Um, so there's some questions about this, right? So I'm not going to you know, take the wind out of it too much. Um, where's the first one? Uh, Kev Morrow. Where does Ward go from here? Appears to be zero fights at light heavyweight. Adonis Stevenson will duck him. Zero money at cruiserweight and too small at heavyweight. Which I think... It's a good here. point, given the, we, we've already mentioned on this podcast before just how little money there is available in cruiserweight. Retirement was one of his uh, questions. So, if I'm Ward, I want the Stevenson fight. I think with Ward being susceptible to right hands and Stevenson being quite left-hand lazy, I think Ward will handle him much like he handled Chad Dawson. Because... Remember, Ward's a, Ward's a dominant orthodox fighter, so he's a left-handed orthodox, which, which is absolutely perfect for someone like Stevenson, where he can just eat left hooks all day. And Stevenson's a guy who can break mentally, just like Kovalev did. So that's a, that's a good fight. Just clear up the division, get the belts. If you're Ward... No, no, let's be honest. Like We'd only want Ward to move up so he'd lose, right? If you really, if you're a Ward fan and you want Ward to win, you just want him to clean up the division. It's like, look, you're dominant at one six eight, you're dominant at one seven five. Maybe, you know, in the same way people wanted Mayweather to fight Golovkin, you want like, him, it's a stretch. They want him to fight Joshua, just, <laughs> just anything or McGregor. Just, oh wait, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that did happen. Sorry, yeah, yeah. No, so, century. just for me as a fan, I'd like to see. Ward, you know, deal with 175, maybe just have a, a shot to nothing and say, do you know what, I'll fight one of these heavyweights. Do you know what the biggest problem he's got, Andre Ward, is, as far as I see it, he's, he doesn't draw attention, so you could still buy tickets to that fight last night. You can still buy tickets now. <laughs> you could buy tickets to that fight that were cheaper, like last night as well, I'm not talking on StubHub, I'm talking from the venue that were cheaper than ordering the pay-per-view at home, like if you lived in America. Jesus. Because Andre Ward doesn't sell. And part of the criticism in the build-up to him for this was, because Andre Ward is owned, essentially, by Rock Nation. So they're paying him... Six million. Six million dollars, I think it was, for that. And so you've got uh, Andre Ward on six million dollars going into that fight. Sergey Kovalev, who's on a cut of the pay-per-view, who's on a cut of the ticket sales, that kind of deal... You've got Andre Ward in the build-up, not giving a shit to try and promote it because he's going home with six million dollars, irrespective. You've got Kovalev getting more and more wound up about it in the build-up, and you have to wonder how much of that mental fragility came from Andre Ward saying, "I don't need to help you do this. Like I don't care how many it sells because I'm going home with six million dollars, courtesy of Jay Z and Rock Nation." I, I I tell you this now: if Andre Ward, the man he is now, was if that was Joe Calzaghe, right, who conducted himself like Ward and had Ward's CV, he'd be a multi-millionaire. I think there's something in the American sporting psyche that doesn't want to have an African-American male being articulate, sticking to a message, sticking to a script, not offering controversy. It's okay if you're a Kelly Pavlik and you're like that. Yeah, but they wait a minute. We've got Anthony Joshua and he sells millions and he sticks and, to a script and, and avoids controversy and, and, now. And, and, and look at how people talk about him. He's like, a painless. Oh, he's a sellout. He's this, he's that. <laughs> and, and yeah, because it's, it's, it's something we're getting used to now. 
the fact that not everyone you meet who's African-American is a knucklehead, which is good. The foot of sport is good because it's showing people, actually, there are many ways you can make a, a living, but it's taking some getting used to. The problem that you've got, like, over here, I don't know where the where does the uh, balance change between America and England, in that over here, Anthony Joshua sticks to a script. He's actually quite articulate when he talks. He seems like a nice enough guy. He knocks people out, which helps. We're a fairer country, though. Yeah, and yet on the back of that, he's selling every single product going, and he's a multi-millionaire. People also like that in this country, though, don't they? They, yeah. they pretend they don't, but they really do. They like someone who can talk in complete sentences. Whereas America, you could make it big if you, regardless of your, um, I'm not talking about color right now. But I'm thinking like you can generally in any walk of life make a living if you're if you're rock and roll. If you're like if. You know, if you bring fireworks to the party, that's the most important aspect. Adrian Broner. Whereas in England, it's it's, and also I do think there's a lot to be said for heavyweight. Like just the 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 weight of heavyweight, it always adds something. Oh, the wrestling element. Yeah, it always gives someone an extra boost in their popularity. The land of the giants. It's why every trainer wants a good heavyweight. Because look at McCracken. McCracken knows he's good for a million payday every time Joshua fights. Yeah. Right, so a few other questions around the same. One thing I did want to touch on about this fight. And people say it was a boring fight because of Ward. If you watch a similar fight due to its narrative. So it was a fight. Uh, Julian the Hawk Jackson. I never know if it's Julian or Julius. I don't care. Julian the Hawk Jackson versus Mike McCallum. It was, I think it was a light heavyweight. And you had Mike McCallum. And if you watch Mike McCallum, he has a touch of the Andre Ward. And he's got the same sort of issues Ward had in that he's vastly underappreciated by most boxing fans. But most people who box really love Mike McCallum. So he fought Julian Jackson, who is probably still pound for pound the most devastating puncher. People remember how he just starched out Harold Graham with one right hand. And watching Ward Kovalev with those parallels, and I was thinking to myself, what's the difference here? And the difference was... Jackson could work on the inside and Kovalev couldn't. So Kovalev was actually the problem here because if Kovalev was skilled, and I know there's a question about body punching later on, if Kovalev had been skilled enough to handle on the inside and throw hooks and uppercuts, which he seems incapable of doing. Feel free to answer that question because I can't find it. He would have starched Andre Ward. With hooks and uppercuts, Kovalev would have been a scary man. So you have to ask yourself why he's never added this in his 30 years on this earth. Um, in response to the question, the question was, I think it was Dave McGinley. And he was saying, there's a shortage of UK yeah, boxers right. able to go to the body effectively, which is true. Um, I don't think we've Who's had the best coach for it. We don't have any coaches who can coach body work in this country. None at all, because we don't teach it and we don't reward it in this country. So coaches stick to what works. In the amateurs, there's no point in throwing body shots unless you want to stop a guy with a body shot. You've only got three rounds, so there's no point. So coaches don't teach it. And then in the pros, what happens is you're like, shit, these amateurs are pretty piss poor. We haven't got time to teach all that old school stuff. Let's just get them over the line. Is, Alan Joe Gallagher. Is there... If I've got a... I don't know what age kids start boxing. What's the youngest a kid starts boxing? Yeah, 10, 11. Right. So if I've got a 10-year-old kid and he wants to box, is there, a, is there a split in terms of trainers? Like, if I think to myself, I'm, I'm in a situation where I know the difference between amateur and professional boxing, and I'm thinking, 
I wanted I want him to train to be a professional. Are there trainers that will focus on him or do you have to go amateur first or So so that that's the Errol Spence conundrum, isn't it? So Errol Spence spent most of his amateur career being trained as an amateur, very upright, in and out, you know, working to score points. And one day his dad, Errol Spence Senior, said, My son's gifted. He's going to be a professional one day. I want him to have the professional style. So he recruits Derek James, who was an ex-pro. And Derek James needed a project to establish himself as a coach. So started to teach Errol Spence that pro style, which probably cost him in London 2012, which is why he didn't win the gold, because he had a style that wasn't judge-friendly. You know, we are talking about judging earlier. Right. His style wasn't judge-friendly <laughs> in the amateur. Remember because, that? Revisit it. <laughs> because, you know, different criteria. You're rewarding different things in the amateur. Yeah, yeah. Pros. Which makes a lot more sense to me. So... So Spence didn't do well in the Olympics. Luke Campbell did, right? <laughs> <laughs> Enough said, Your Honour. <laughs> and and look, let's roll five years hence. Errol Spence is pound for pound top ten. We all agree on that. And Luke Campbell's about to knock Jorge Linares out in his next fight. Wow! Oh my God. So 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 I hope I hope I've made the point of it's and we're going to come into this when we talk about the Harringay. This country struggles with body punching because ideologically we don't believe in it. We should do. Um, I try. I try and teach it. I, I when I was in the United States, I tried to invest time in learning some of the secrets and the arts. And it, it's a dark art. So when people are watching what Ward's doing, and they don't really understand what he's doing, because all they see is arms moving everywhere. But all you're trying to do is in a confined area negotiate two inches of space to get your left hand in. Yeah, work a little cheeky hook because these all take it out of you. Get a right uppercut in, and then tie the other guy up. So he's now frustrated and he burns energy trying to wrestle his way out. And all of these things, like, <clears throat> you need one of the old masters to teach you. Like, you've got to go away and learn these things from the old masters because the Russians just don't do it. The Russians have their own way of training. The Eastern Europeans have a way of training and they stick to it. Golovkin's one of the few guys who kind of broke the mold and went with Abel Sanchez, yeah. who's actually a good body puncher as well. What I want so, to know is, what, if you had to define Russian coaching, what... Because, I mean, when watching Chudinov, that was, to me, a really poor example of what... I mean, he just kept taking, taking punches. He was solid. It was Paul Smith. But just didn't... Yeah, Actually, yeah, um, to some extent, it, it, went, it wasn't quite as dramatic as that towards the end. But that's, I think, in large part, to what we're saying about Andre Ward using a different tactic. And Terry said about not going for the head. If Andre Ward had incorporated the same tactics, you might correct me that Kovalev's a much better boxer than Chudinov, but it seems to me that it could have had the same, it could have had the same outcome I had done. No, so Kovalev's a pretty good boxer. Um, you know, he had some, some good struggles with Batobiev in the amateurs in Russia. And Kovalev probably represents a lot of that Russian style, which is fucking hard jab, strong right hand, being consistent with those punches and understanding they do the most damage when you land them properly. So that style works, and it works against British fighters especially. That's why he was able to have his way with Cleverly, because Cleverly doesn't move in multiple dimensions. Cleverly moves forward, moves backwards. Sometimes he steps to the side, it's rare. So it's easy for Eastern Europeans to look good against that, you know, even without power. If you look at Golovkin, when has Golovkin struggled in a fight? He struggles against movers. If you stand there with Golovkin, you're pretty much toast. The minute you start stepping side to side, moving in and out, Golovkin's confused. 
So the Eastern European style has strengths when you're a static target, when you're like the Americans or some of the, the Mexicans and you're a bit slicker and your head moves in multiple dimensions, they start to struggle a bit. Right, I'm going to try and wrap up a couple of questions and finish this bit off. Um, so don't answer the first one yet. I'm going to wrap it into the second one. Verbal Warning asks, is uh, Badu Jack the next fight for Ward or can he tempt Adonis to step away from the Zimmer frame for a few rounds? Uh, Joss Finch, so this is where we're going to go to, right? Um, should Andre Ward move up to cruiserweight or heavyweight or stay at light heavyweight and get all the world titles? So, I want one word answer from each of you. Andy, should Andre Ward move up to cruiserweight, heavyweight or stay at light heavyweight? Uh, I'd like to see one him in the division. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, stay. Is that, stay. Is, <laughs> unite the division. That's what I want to see him do. Unite the division. Okay. Stay. Stay. Okay. What about in two years' time? Where do you want to see him? Retired. I want to see him at heavyweight fighting Tony Bellud, who can be the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why are, we stopping, <laughs> why are we stopping with Tony Bellew? Why is he not fighting Paul Smith at because heavyweight? By the time two years comes around, Tony Bellew will be ruler of the heavyweight division. But why is Paul Smith not going there as well? Yeah. Like maybe that's what his limitation is. That is the three-way like uh, dance of a nation of history. We're going to see those three fighting for the heavyweight championships of the world. Right, one final one from our man David McGinley. Shout out, David. Uh, did Ward cement status as fighter of the decade last night? Floyd is the obvious pick, but Ward willingly stepped up to test himself versus the monster. No, um, we lost two good years of Andre Ward in the Goosen case. You know, when he was fighting... R.I.P. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he was fighting his whole managerial situation. And we probably lost his best years, which is unfortunate. Um, but I think there have been other fighters who have just moved boxing on further than Ward. I think Ward is at top of the tree. But you can't say with, regarding Andre Ward, there was boxing before Ward and there was boxing after Ward, if that makes sense. Whereas with Floyd, there was definitely boxing before Mayweather and there was boxing after Mayweather. Um, I think as, mu as much as um, Floyd may have dictated the terms to Canelo to such an extent that it drained Canelo, etc. That's Canelo's fault. He shouldn't have signed the paperwork. He stepped up to face his own monster in that scenario. People say they drain Canelo, but that's his own fault. Don't sign it. <laughs> yeah, See, and Canelo's on exactly the same to multiple other yeah, fighters. Yeah. So no sympathy there. My, my, test, my test for boxers' impact is this. How many people come into the gym wanting to be that boxer? So I've seen people walk into the gym wanting to be Roy Jones. I've seen people walk into the gym wanting to be Miguel Cotto, wanting to be Floyd, wanting to be Manny Pacquiao. I remember that phase especially. Everyone wanted to be a Southpaw. Then Sergio Martinez is another one people wanted to be. Now people want to be Errol Spence. You see what I mean? So there are boxers who have that impact where you're like, I want to be like him. The one the one that probably has the biggest one is James Tony. Everyone wants to be James Tony deep down inside. Alright. Um, final one then from last night was Rigondale versus Flores. A one round controversial win for Rigondale. I didn't see it. I thought it was a fair... Look. What happened to the bell? That's what so, I'm bothered about. So, so you get to the last five seconds of the round and they engage. You know, Rigondale finds himself square onto the opponent, just lets his hands go. So the, the other lad, whatever his name is, is Rios? Was it Flores? Or Flores, uh, yeah. So he lets his hands go as well, but Rigondale's the guy who doesn't get hit. So the only difference was actually, Flores misses, Rigondale connects after the bell. They both threw after the bell. So you then have this ridiculous position where the ref's kind of gone, okay, you've been knocked down. He does the count. 
And then he gets called outside and they're having a conversation. Then the ref sits down to watch a fucking replay. And then he's like, what should I do? This is what I think Who I should do. Who did he ask? Oh, some guy in a suit. And he's like, what should I do? Uh, I, I can't rule a no contest. It's not a disqualification. Yeah, he just takes a knockout. That's literally all it was. It was an absolute joke wow. outside. An absolute joke. And it made boxing look, ab- look fucking stupid. I need to go back and see that. But if you watch it, it's like, well... They both went for it after the bell. Because normally what the ref would do at that point is just get in the way. Yeah. Stop. But you couldn't because they were they were just fully engaged. And the exchange had started before the bell and finished after the bell. So theoretically, if no one had been knocked out, they'd have just gone to their corners. And was Not, he out? Or... Well, it looked like he took a bit of a dive, to be fair. He did milk it. He did well, no, he didn't Pure cry. No, 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 it wasn't crying. You know, where, like, he goes to get up and he's like, nah, fuck this off. <laughs> nah, he was, nah, he was fucked. Nah, no, nah, Rigondeaux got nicely. It was one of those where it, it, it literally just seemed to come under the arm, hit the guy on the chin. The guy, the guy's going to throw a punch like that. Got, has gone out on his feet. Yeah, okay. But look, that's probably the most interesting Rigondeaux been for a while <laughs> since he fought Denner. Alright, um, I think that's it from the action from the weekend. So You realise any arguable expertise that I've borrowed for this occasion has now evaporated because, <laughs> because I have no further... Are you trying to take hosting no. duties back? No, you crack on. Right. I'm just... <laughs> uh, let's hit the elephant in the room whilst we're here as well. Um, McGregor Mayweather. What do we reckon? Andy, you start me off. Fucking casual, you're all over, isn't you? Right, so... Those of you that listened to this podcast way, way back remember a certain feature that I did where I came with an interesting fact every 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 week. And then it turned out... Don't, that don't bother spending the re- time going back to find them, by the way. Yeah, yeah, really don't. They're, the quality was... I mean, if you think this is bad, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but within contained within those facts, there was all kinds of things that happened, um, including like a man fighting a bear... Um, old fights that went on for 89 rounds. Muhammad Ali in a wrestling match. Yeah, and that's the one I was getting to. The Muhammad Ali fighting a wrestler. Now, in it, uh, I don't actually know the rules, and maybe I dug them up dug them up at the time, but what I do remember seeing footage from it was the wrestler spent the entire fight on his back just throwing kicks at Ali. Now, I realise that this... This fight has garnered a lot of criticism. Um, I think the Guardian said this is the kind of ridiculous fight with the, the, the odds so infinitesimal. <laughs> this is what our idiocracy, idiocracy... But the bookies odds aren't. Well, I I like it just because what is... <sighs> look, sport is ultimately... You, you want to see sporting prowess. You want to see sporting greatness. Of course you do. And we've seen that... In various uh, various periods, <laughs> the Cheetos meant much. Um, you've seen that, and you and you see that regularly in the boxing world. Yes, of course, you see you don't see it as well. But the point I'm trying to make is, why not? Who wouldn't want to see like a world eleven ver- or the rest of the world eleven versus a European eleven football? Something weird, something a bit different. I- okay, but. That's like getting the British Lions to come and play a World Eleven at football. Well, <laughs> well, then why? What would be great? What would be absolutely brilliant if you could have the English rugby team versus the English football team? They First half it. play football, second half play rugby. They did it in rugby league and rugby union. They had um, the winners of the Premier League for each. 
played one game of Union and one game of League. And uh, they took the net score over the two games. So, I mean, that's the nearest equivalent you've got. And I know it's a freak show, and I know that it's never going to go down as one of the greatest sporting events in the history of the world, but it's, a, it's an old-star freak show. Let's see what crazy thing happens. Is McGregor going to win? Right, I have to ask you two here. The gloves are 10 ounce. Don't be a casual. And from what we talked about when we talked about the gloves podcast... I believe. Shouts out to Ammo. I need another pair. I believe you said that the 10 ounces in terms of weight can actually get redistributed throughout the glove. Now, my thought would have been that the only threat McGregor has is a puncher's chance. And what I mean by that is that he's demonstrated that he can spark people out. So maybe you could argue that if he got a lucky shot in, maybe. So I would have thought with Mayweather being as wild as he is, he's just gone. <laughs> We'll just carve those knuckles in padding and I'll outbox the shit out of him. Is that remotely what's going on? Nope. Or has Mayweather just gone, I don't give a he, fuck, he, I'm going to win? Let, he'll let McGregor come in with fucking UFC gloves. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to land. <laughs> You've got to land. You're, you're, you're I'm talking. fascinated to see it because what no. I love about it is so many people that think McGregor's got a chance. That's no. what I love yeah, about it. Yeah, because they're fucking idiots. I know, no, no, they're no. all fucking idiots. No. Isn't that brilliant prime. though? Don't you know think that's brilliant? I love watching it. If it was... No, because you'll be in the pub one night and you'll be sat having a pint and you'll just overhear this fucking idiot behind you going, are you, are you, Martin, are you host or, you know, you, we're, 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 we're conflating roles here. <laughs> we're losing structure. <laughs> You're going to end up with that knobhead sat behind you in the pub chatting to his mate who's saying, you know, oh, look at how McGregor does it in UFC. He's going to beat Mayweather. He's got a... Br-. You're going to be hearing at some point over the next two months that dickhead in the pub that's talking about it. All he, I know is, what about if his Achilles goes and he has to fight on one leg? Well, Still. <laughs> look, I, I, I'll wheel Mayweather. We said the same thing about Bell You Hate. I realise it's not exactly I, I the same. I will wheel but... Floyd Mayweather in a wheelchair and still have money on him to win. <laughs> but the fact is, McGregor will not win this. And we're not going to spend too much time on it because well, it's... I don't know what we need to because I think the point we're all missing is this. Floyd's not a boxer. Ooh. After Andre Berto, Floyd ceased to be a boxer and we accepted that. <laughs> He's an entertainer now. Floyd's just a celebrity figure. So when John Leslie jumps in the ring and boxes Ulrika Johnson, for example, <laughs> we watch it. We understand that it's not really boxing. It's just entertainment for the masses. And that's what I was getting this, at. Yeah. This is entertainment. Like... It's like going to watch a new Star Wars film, but you get to see it live and you get a whole build-up. It's an experience. That's what they're selling you. They're selling you an experience. And everyone will watch it because it's something you don't see very often. I don't relate it to boxing because this has no impact on the wider sports of boxing. It will bring no additional revenue into boxing. It will create no new superstars in boxing. It is two men who don't intend to ever fight again cashing out. Do not expect McGregor to fight again after this. And do not expect the pay-per-view market to be the same because Mayweather will carry Conor McGregor in this fight. You know that, don't you? He in terms let... of the amount of money coming into no, it? No, no, in terms in of the, the fight. fight. He will let McGregor land the shots that Floyd is comfortable. He'll let him get to 11 yeah. rounds. Yeah, he will. And then, yeah, Floyd will just be there. And he'll... I wouldn't be surprised if this has all been talked through. I wouldn't be surprised if, 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 if they've sat there, and pro- probably not Floyd directly and Connor directly, but they've sat there and said, look, Floyd will carry him for the first six rounds, make Connor look good, and then probably stop him with a couple of body shots, maybe a little uppercut, 
and you know, we will, we will take our money and go home. But I've got a feeling, I don't know UFC well enough at all. Um, I'm not even a casual observer of it. But I know that he lost two fights ago to Nate Diaz, was it? When he got, uh, when he submitted. Everybody's on steroids. Pass, I don't know. Was it two fights back when he submitted to Diaz? Because then he beat him in the rematch. I don't, yeah, he hasn't fought anyone since, has he? I don't, know. I don't know yeah. enough about it, right? But my point about it is, is that are we even sure this is the best UFC fighter of that weight? <laughs> I'm not sure it is, is it? I've no idea. What it is, is it's the most recognisable yeah, UFC and, and fighter that, that can make the same weight around Floyd Mayweather. And that is because he's self, so self-promoting and so self-aggrandised. Fair, fair that play is, to him. Yeah, uh, that's the only that's he, the reason. Absolutely talked about him. But we know Floyd Mayweather is the best boxer for the last 20 years at that weight-ish. You know, 150, whatever they're going to fight at, 150 pounds. We don't know. I don't know for certain if Conor McGregor is the best fighter in the UFC. Well, because because there are guys that like like think it's Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz can box a little bit, and he'd probably be a more credible threat. There are guys who have come to MMA with credible amateur boxing backgrounds, yeah, and and they're not getting this. And this is what I was trying to explain to some of these fucking boxers who are bitching about this. The only people on Floyd's May. From Floyd Mayweather's radar, people who can generate him a hundred million net. Yep. If Martin Fearbold fighting Mayweather generated four hundred million dollars, he would fight Martin Fearbold. We'd do it at two hundred pound. It'd be fine. Yeah. Doesn't care. He he doesn't care. Connor doesn't care. Like Connor said, we talk about checks. It might checks to real heavyweight. I can't even say his I can't do his accent, sorry. But that's all they've done is talk about money. There's no talk of the fight. It's not a fight, that's why. It's 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 a money grab. And we're gonna let the money grab happen and then we're gonna you know, it's like a one night stand. We're gonna enjoy it while it happens. We're gonna wake up the we're next all day gonna watch and feel it. shit. We're all gonna watch yeah. it and then we're all gonna go none of us are gonna pay for it, yeah. I hope. Well yeah, and we'll all feel shit the next day and go, I'm not buying another pay per view. No, don't buy it. So do you know who I feel sorry for? Canelo. I feel sorry for Canelo. Wait, wait, we're going to come on to that. We don't, don't. Uh, um, but who's host here? <laughs> you said earlier about the fighters that are slagging it off. And I've seen various boxers slag it off. And for every single one of you, if any of you listen. You can't sell tickets, man. Shit. Sell tickets. Yeah. My voice has changed at this point. <laughs> oh, welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the fucking sleeping policeman that has been my podcast. <laughs> what I want to say, <laughs> if you slate that fight, if you get offered a spot on the undercard of it, what do you do? You jump on it. You jump on it. Of course you jump on it. So if you're a fucking pro fighter and you're mouthing off about this fight, it's only jealousy. It is yeah, only so jealousy. Talk of Plain and simple. Badu Jack versus Nathan Cleverly on there. Nice. Do it. It'll be alright, Errol Spence going on there. But nice. make it into a legitimate undercard. It Isn't might it? be the best undercard that, we've, <laughs> that we've seen be. for the last two or three years. It could be. Um, but I just think all these fighters that are slagging it off, you're absolutely right, it's jealousy in that somebody else is getting that spot that you would love. And I see all these people talking about, oh, what level would Conor McGregor get? If he, you know, it's a guy who's making his debut. Let's like not forget that. What level should he be fighting at on his debut? You know, it, what could be the very best that he could be? Area level? Under area level? I Not even I, area level, is it? I think he's struggling in the amateurs. Yeah, but then these people going, oh, like, put him in with Bradley Skeet. Put him in... 
What's the point? Yeah, what <laughs> this is isn't... the point? Like, put him in, right, with a fighter that will show us how bad he is so that he so will... No one makes a... any money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so that he can't go in. The whole point of this is almost like... In and out. A surprise fighter, uh, in but, a way. You like... never visited a prostitute. You know, you know what you're getting for your money. It's not going to be particularly gratifying. There you go. It's in and out, and it's a money transactional deal. But but this is this is prostitution. It's 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 a wider it's a wider slightly more worrying bellwether for boxing because if you look at Al Heyman, he's moving his model away from the classic matchroom, you know, fight every so often towards the more UFC model where. He's segmented his fighters. So if you look at someone like a Thurman, Thurman will only fight top five boxers now. You know? And he'll fight regularly. Danny Garcia will fight regularly for smaller purses, but they'll make the same amount of money every year for fighting more. And you imagine what Heyman's doing is building the PBC up so he can sell it like they sold the UFC, maybe get one or two billion for it, give the investors back the 500 million he borrowed, and that's what he's going to do. That'll be his exit. And this is part of that. So this is bringing... The casual MMA fan into boxing and saying, here's Mayweather McGregor. Beneath that, here are some competitive fights for you to get excited about as well. So when this is all done, we hope you stick with the PBC. All right. So I cut you off earlier. The reason being, we had a question leading up to exactly the point you're about to make from Scott McGee. What are the consequences for Triple G Canelo with the Mayweather McGregor fight just a few weeks before? How damaging will it be? Um, depends how much the pay per view is. If if they do it at a hundred dollars, then you've you've got to move Canelo Triple G because people will pay for Mayweather McGregor. Yeah. Like as much as we can all sit here and go, it's a farce, it's a circus. There's a lad at work. You know, the last few fights he's ever watched are Hey Bellew, Joshua Klitschko. Uh, that's all. Like that, he doesn't even know who they are, what weight they are, whatever. But he'll just put it on because that's it. He will get up for Mayweather McGregor. Yeah. We all will. We all will. But we'll we'll get up for it knowing what the outcome is. He's getting up for it like a dickhead at Christmas. A sporting event. Yeah. So Um, that's what you guys don't like the most, isn't it? Uh, Is is people... You don't mind them watching it as a freak show, but the minute they look at it as a genuine sporting event, that's what annoys you. This is the problem, because this is the same as the Sky... um, It's a Sky setup Because... Just the same as Paul Smith was given a 50-50 chance yeah. by the Sky team in the build-up to the fight against Zoyga, and then when he loses, they go, oh, wow, that's a real shock how bad he is. <laughs> well, like we, like we haven't seen him for the last five years. But, you know, they'll build up Mayweather McGregor to be a 50-50 legitimate yeah, fight. I, I can't help but feel that it's all part of the... All the boxers are, like, are saying, this isn't a fucking sporting event, blah, blah, blah. And we're saying, you, you're just jealous. Sky... I can't believe that nobody at Sky Running Sky knows this isn't a load of turd, this fight. But, but no, They're like, oh, this is going to be a tough one. What do you think? If they all sat there and went, wow, this is a full-on conclusion, isn't it? <laughs> they wouldn't generate as much money. So they have to play along as well. Course, effect, in effect, boxing becomes WWE for the night. That's what it becomes, doesn't it? To a degree. Yeah, but Floyd's fought the big show already. <laughs> and won. And won. He knocked him out. Broke his nose. Do you remember that? He broke his nose. Lloyd's fought the big show. All right, anyway, let's move on. Where's big show? Senor Tasty. Oh, After Kaiser f- Tasty now, is he? No, no, he's Senor. He senor. Back he's and back. forth, like a Mexican schizophrenic. After Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor, 
Name some more freak crossover sports. Maybe Steve Backley playing darts. I already answered this in private. I'm answering again. <laughs> <laughs> there was a boxer that Terry would like to see apple bobbing. <laughs> Going up and down. Uh, who thought he thought that said male boxer would be particularly good at it? Who <laughs> probably host the event somewhere sunny? <laughs> take it up a rock and take it up a notch. Twelve a reef this time. <laughs> Twelve a reef. And he wants to get sued this week. <laughs> Raising the game. That's what you have to do when you're in this position. <laughs> Try and get sued. It's the seat. Uh, all right. Question from Mark Williams. Uh, is Ward now undisputed uh, pound for pound number one don't really care let's skip that one go on to question number two I don't like the pound for pound stuff we discuss it all the time we always say it doesn't make sense apparently interesting that was what Ward straight away said after the fight he went does this put me in the top pound for pound fighters in the world I thought what the fuck Again, you no, 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 said no, it no, so no, often no, no, that's so unfair that's not what he said he uh, said what did he say? his exact words were I don't have a vote in this if the people say I am he that's mentioned up to it. Them. no he didn't uh, Max Kellerman did. Right. He said, "Does this now put you on the infamous pound for pound list?" And Ward's immediate response was, "I don't have a vote in that." All right, I have conflicting me- remember me- uh, memory yeah. of that. Call it up. <laughs> I- I'll-, I'll-, I'll look it up afterwards. So the question, um, because as I said, we dismiss the pound for pound every time we talk about it, so I'm not going to go into that. Uh, apparently, Floyd only touched the canvas twice, once officially. Any boxer never went down in their career. <laughs> we just spoke <laughs> about one boxer that's been down in their career. <laughs> Allegedly, uh, any fight? I, I don't know. We'd have to look into that. Pointless. It's literally pointless asking me. The bear that fought in that. I don't. Wait a minute. He I, touched the camera. I know loads of young lads that fight in a small hall that are like six and over, beating up shitty Latvians that they've never been down. Shit. No, even Foreman's been down. He was down against Ron Lyle a few times. Don't know. Um, you mean good fighters that's what he means doesn't he right we've got two questions left one of them's about the Gilberto Mendoza interview and the other one is a long... everyone go and <coughs> listen to that the right. one's a long scenario so which one are we going with for first yeah. let's go with the long scenario we'll talk about Gilberto at the end because that's quite interesting one. Uh, I don't know I wasn't there uh, right from Jamie Reed. your job is to come up with six boxers renowned for being fat and or lazy to fill the roster to fight any currently active boxer uh, oh shit, no, I started the wrong point. Fun fantasy question for the pod. There's a new super heavyweight series of boxing and it's your job to come up with six boxers renowned for being fat and or lazy to fill the roster to fight. Any currently active boxer, any weight division because they're all super heavy. They have to be currently active. Yeah, who wins and how? Because Nassim and Hatton could write benchmark that straight away. They're getting in. Because they're in they're straight away. In. By active, I've seen Hatton holding pads. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's active enough. Ah. And coming to the ring, sponsored by Burger King, Nassim Hamid. He'd be dancing for a lot longer this time. This feels itself. We've got Gavin, we've got Smith. Obviously, uh, Fury comes back immediately. Fury. Fury wins it outright. We can yeah. put anyone in there. Butterbean, does he come back? Is he dead? He's, he's old. No, I'm not even sure he's alive. Uh, yeah, Fury wins that, hands down, doesn't he? Yeah, unfortunately. Can we with Tony What, James Tony, yeah. Nah, I mean, Tyson Fury's a man who tries to bolt Super over heavy. gates. What, so, uh, what, what is the um, the weight for super heavyweight? Has he given you a weight? No, we can make it up. 
Because what would be cool is if it was really, really heavy. So even like Tyson Fury has to put on weight again. <laughs> like it's, 30 stone. It's really, really, really heavy. So Paul <laughs> Smith will only have to cut a couple of pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they have to put on loads and loads of flab in order to have a fight. Uh, I, six fighters is difficult if we're talking about current fighters. But you definitely easily fill it out if you uh, dig some up. Yeah. All right, uh, there was one final question uh, that came in from Mark Evans. Question, what did you think about the interview interview that you did with Gilberto Mendoza? Did you get everything you wanted and were his answers okay? Let's start with you two, because I obviously did it. So Gilberto Mendoza, head of the WBA, agreed to an interview that we did during the week and put up, so go back and listen to it. So you two give me your views. I've not really spoken to you about it. I- I thought he's a man that has monitored criticism of him and his activity fairly closely and played everything safe and tried self-critiquing before he could be critiqued, you know, like sort of like, I know I get a lot of drama uh, stuff for this. However, my reasoning for that is this and then would go on to make his point so that you couldn't. As if you were going into a work disciplinary. Like, if you call someone a fucking idiot, <laughs> yeah. and you go in and go, I know a fucking idiot's really bad, right? But, what I've done since then. <laughs> I just want to tell you before we get started that I have an alcohol problem, and um, I really need help with, uh, blah, 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 blah. you know, just like, trying to mitigate any comeback before it's even, you know, putting out fires before they've even started. And But he's a savvy man. Well, yeah, and I mean, but I it, think, I think, but it, what would have been potentially a bit more, because that, Yes, I agree with you for coming on with that, but it's also transparent, and which is why we've picked up on it. What would have been even better is if he'd have used that sparingly, but also allowed the attacks to come on and then already had ways to batten them off. Um, for me, it was more... And and to be honest, we got caught on our heels on that one because they were like, you got to do it right now. Uh, it is going to be a this evening job. Yeah, when, uh... it, yeah. It was one of those, and I, I was out unfortunately, so I, I couldn't because re- I would really like to. I really wanted to interrogate that that whole ranking process because I don't think he, re- he 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 was careful to move the discussion away from the mechanics of it, where we couldn't walk him through it. You're boxer A, and you're at this level. How do I become WBA ranked in the top fifteen? Yeah. Well, you just ring up. It turns out you get your promoter to ring him up. Yeah, and then that's and what it, the answer is. There yeah. is no mechanics yeah. by his own admission. A low, there's like 400 promoters around the country Eddie all currently Hurt on hold. Brings you up and says, "Can I get Paul Smith in there at number five? You are fifth in the queue. But do, 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 do. for a start, let's give him his props for giving up. us one hour of his time. And this is in the week in the build-up to when he's got Paul Smith, Tyrone Zoiga, and Sergey Kovalev, Andre Ward. The interview that I did with him was an hour late because he was sorting out some stuff on the phone with Andre Ward, right? So that's what kind of week the man's having. So he's still giving us an hour of his time in that time. So I respect him for doing that. I that's respect him for doing that, no doubt at all. Um, speaking to him, it was a little bit like I was going to buy a used car at times and like every question that I had would be spoken over and like preemptively deflected the next question. Which I don't blame him for. But he has, again, he has stakeholders to keep... As happy. you say, it's yeah. it's a savvy position to take. Uh, and I, It's not even a criticism. It's just an observation. Um, I actually thought it was very interesting that he would admit that Paul Smith going in at number five was a mistake. 
Probably <laughs> more so now. <laughs> However, what I don't get, and like again, don't get me wrong, I'm the one that could have quizzed him on this, but I realised we were on like short timescales, etc., and there was other stuff that we needed to go on to. We spent 15 minutes discussing Paul Smith alone. Um, but when he says, you know, we could have put him at number 15 and no one would have batted an eyelid. We would. <laughs> we would. Like, to suggest there aren't 15 other better super middleweights. I didn't have that information off the top of my head. Like, I couldn't have given him a 15 list there and then. It wouldn't have been contestable. In, you know, it would have been so black and white as to rule Paul Smith out of it. Um, but... I think we saw on Saturday night the outcome of putting somebody like Paul Smith into the top 15. So all you can say is that there's a lot of stuff that he seemed to pick up on, as Andy started that out with, that is criticism from social media. So he said Hassan and Dam um, versus Murata. He went back personally to watch the fight, not because of complaints from the promoters, but because so many people tweeted him immediately afterwards saying that's bullshit. So he went back and watched that fight like immediately and then stepped in and called for the wait, rematch. Wait, how did he watch that fight immediately? Was he streaming? He says he streams. Yeah, he said that he streams, yeah. That's one of the things he said towards the end, is like, I stream fights, so send me the links for the illegal yeah, streams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was asking. Because uh, he was going to have to stream Zoiga Smith. I hope, I hope you would tell, he does it. I hope, I hope he didn't get a stream for Zoiga Smith for his own well-being. But, um... Yeah, you well, know, he ranked Zoig at number one, given how good Paul Smith made him look. Smith dropped to six after that. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was interesting that he clearly takes on board the um, the social media interactions, which can only be a good thing, really. It's uh, I like that. I like that somebody taking it forward and actually listening to fans. Fans aren't always right, and I'm sure he won't treat them as always right. But at least he's given it the respect that it's due. But in the aggregate, the crowd is always right. Mm, yeah, you know, if you took it a hundred times, then it's going to be over fifty times that the majority of the Twitter boxing fans are going to be right in their outrage. And I'm talking outrage. I'm talking the extremes, not the the middle ground. Um, but he was, he was quite a charming man. I mean, it's not a million miles away from Eddie Hearn. Let's be honest. Like that, Eddie Hearn um, comes across as quite a nice, likable yeah, geezer. But they're probably both from like the good schools and all yeah. that sort of bollocks. No doubt. He's a where, lawyer, isn't he? Yeah. Mendoza. Yeah, where, where they're trained, don't take any risks, you don't have to. Yeah. Or if you do have to, make someone else take them. Yeah. You know, he's um, a very well-educated man. And, yeah, no, I just, I enjoyed it. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, we'll maybe do it again in the future at some point. You know, we've opened up some communication there. But, uh We'll see. Uh, one of the things we did speak about with him was World Super Series of Boxing. And George Groves has come out this week and he's taking part. I know we've spoken about it before. Uh, we spoke about the Cruiserweights a couple of weeks back. Now George Groves has entered the Super Middle. Where does it leave us? Well, it leaves the rest of the Super Mids without a cash cap. <laughs> so you've got Unless two options. sign up. <laughs> yeah, you've got two options. You either join or you move, you move up and wait. So... Groves was smart. Um, he he moved the market just by doing that. He moved the market because everyone knows the money fight is George Groves. So Eddie Hearn's there going, "I'm going to have to sign up, otherwise I'm just left for Smith versus Tegan, and that is it." Because let's be honest, like Groves brings money into the sport. There's no debate about that. Tegan doesn't. Smith doesn't. Groves does. Like you could have a Groves could fight anywhere, and you'll go and see Groves. He's a He's a national boxing treasure now, now that he's got his belt, you know. So, that's good. You kind of sense 
it being with the Sowlers, he was always going to be involved. Yeah. I'd expect Ramirez to be involved now, you know, just with the Schaefer connection, I expect Ramirez to be involved, which then leaves just two belts floating outside of that. You know Kesler's going to sign up. They'll definitely oh, sign up. Oh, God. <laughs> when does it kick off? September? Apparently, but... That leaves time for Abraham after the Eubank fight. He can sign up still. Eubank can sign up. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be alright, actually, wouldn't it? If Eubank signed up, it's game over. You have to be part of it. Pick your five. Alright, here we go. Super middleweights. Andy, give me two. Uh, super middleweights. We've got five spots. How many is it in there? Eight? Yeah. Alright, we've got seven spots to fill. Andy, give me two. Well, I'd really like to see in there. Yeah. Well, Eubank's definitely one of them. I'd like to see BJ Saunders sign up. What, move up to super middle? Yeah. Okay. Right, that's three spots. That would force him to get some fights in. <laughs> True. Terry? I, I know I'm going to get shot for saying this. I'd probably whack both Darrell brothers in there. Both? Yeah, both. Okay. That's dog shit. I don't want to see both. <laughs> uh, so that's five. So what else we got then? Ramirez, Benavides. Ah, probably a bit too early for him. Well, although we said that about Ward, so. Um, but if you had that seven, then threw in De Gale. That's perfect, isn't it? Oh, who wants to see De Gale? I'm, I'm not remotely interested. I don't know what it is. I just don't like him. But he's got a world title hanging about. Let's throw it in there. And make sure. <sighs> Somebody takes it off him and he can go and retire. What? <laughs> I really just don't have any interest in watching. I don't see the IBF agreeing to this. That's the only thing with this. Like, because the IBF have really funny rules. And but let's look back at that interview with Gilberto. And I know the rules are different between the WBA and the IBF. But what he said in that is that this isn't an ideal situation, but we're going to have to go with it. Like, they, they, they will. But I think the, the WBA have funny rules. You cannot fight a mandatory for nearly two years. Yeah. You can't get away with that with the IBF unless you're throwing shitloads of money at them. Because the IBF go mandatory, voluntary, mandatory, voluntary. And, and they'll try and enforce that cadence as best as they can because they don't want to get sued again. Yeah, well, throwing shitloads is what boxing's about. <laughs> Let's not be shocked if someone does that. Um, but I think it leaves it in an interesting position. Well, so Haringey Box Cup, have you seen any of it, Terry? Oh, you've been awaiting yours? So. No, so I've been getting my, my regular... My regular feedback. Um, general feeling on the ground, and you know, obviously, people won't publicise this. Is that it's been it's been quite crap this year. In what sense? The organisation or the fight? Oh no, organisation is always ten out of ten. I, um, I'd if you know how hard it is to have one MC do five rings. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's the same MC for three days. Yeah. Uh, so shouts out to Dan O'Sullivan, um, Dagenham Boxing Club. He does a great job. Um, all the guys like Brian, John, and so forth, they do an absolutely brilliant job. But you have two problems. Number one, boxing's moved on so much that no one really needs the Harringay Box Cup anymore. So if we go back three or four years, if you want the Harringay Box Cup, we put you on the GB radar, and then we see what you did in the national in the, in the national championships. It was like a springboard. So it made sense. Joshua did it. Nick Adams did it. Um, it made absolute perfect sense. And if you were a promoter, you did your scouting there. Because that was kind of the, it was like the end of we call it the end of twenty World Cup. You saw a lot of guys on their way up, being like fantastic. Over the years, what's happened is 
Instagram, YouTube, and so forth have meant boxers have other ways to be seen. So if you look at O'Hara Davis, he I think he did win. He did win a Harringay medal. He's probably the last of that generation who can say we won Harringay medals. Everyone has moved on. And so this year was the first year um, a couple of clubs I know in Sweden were like, we're not coming this year. For the expense, not really worth it. Um, 200 quid to enter. you got to fly your team over. you got to house your team for four or five nights. Got to do the logistics. There's a whole range of things you have to do. And if it's not going to get you towards national selection or a pro contract, it's just a jolly. And, you know, purses are tightening at the moment. So not very good this year in terms of that depth of talent. And maybe we're seeing, you know, this move away from, you know, I've been talking about this for a while, the death of amateur boxing. And we were talking in our club about this. Because we split evenly between guys like me, I call us the progressives, where we realise if Paddy Fitzpatrick is paying bouncers 400 quid to do four rounders, why the fuck wouldn't a kid from Repton go, I'll take that 400 quid for the four rounder. I'd do it for free, I mean, twice a month anyway. You know what I mean? It's hard to explain to a kid why someone's getting paid to do something and they're not that good and you're doing it for free because you are that good. The GB door's closed now. If you're not in the GB squad now, you're probably not going to the Olympics. Fine. And they're cutting two weight classes out as well. So amateur boxing is just dying slowly. And no one wants to accept that. And no one wants to realise that until you bring prize money into amateur boxing, it's fucked. That's the, that's the bottom line. It's fucked. Because you're going to win something, go straight to Steve Goodwin, Mickey Hellier, or if you're slightly better, you'll go to Frank Warren or Eddie Hearn. You'll do something like that. And while you're going to, why would I wait around? Daniel, look, even Daniel Dubois sacked off the amateurs. And he was nailed on for a medal at 2020. And he just sacked it off because he realized there's no added value anymore. So, congratulations to the guys that won Harringay. Listen, winning a tournament's winning. No, 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 no you have to be able, let's be clear. Winning a tournament's winning a tournament. So, you, I mean, if you had to fight three days in a row and you won, Congratulations. We need to fix all of this. So these kids know that when they're winning, they're beating the best of the best. We need to get it back to that. But who's got the courage to do that? Andy, what did you make of it? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Uh, right, so on that note... <laughs> That's my one word answer. <laughs> uh, Terry, do you want to uh, round up? You got anything you want to add? Lastminute.com? No, not today. No? Having a week off. Oh, Andy. The one time I'm not presenting, <laughs> and he's like, no, nice and clinical ending. <laughs> That's because I've covered everything he wants to cover. Yeah, right, within, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, it's, it's my problem here. So, yeah, we've shuffled around positions today, hopefully. Uh, hopefully it's been all right, listening in. Um, again, go back and listen to that Gilberto Mendoza interview. Uh, give us your thoughts on it. It's been an interesting one. Other than that, we wish you well for the week ahead. Uh, take care and we will see you next week yes goodbye from me and goodbye from me